Let's remain standing as we open our Bibles to the Gospel of John. John chapter 21. We are going to study the rest of the chapter, but for our scripture reading, I will just read from verse 15 to 18. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. May God bless the reading from his holy word. Please take your seats. It's the Eastertide season. And as I have said earlier, these are the Sundays following Easter Sunday, the seven Sundays in between. The next celebration that the church will celebrate will be the Ascension, and then 10 days later, the Pentecost, all right? Now, we need to understand, brethren, that this month, especially this month of uh, May is Missions Month in our church, right? It's Missions Month in our church, and we have even a, our first Sunday this May, we have someone from UK to speak for us about missions, one of the missionaries of OM International. Gareth Bolton will be coming uh, this coming May, first Sunday of May. So it's, it's a missions emphasis because we believe in missions, we support missions, and we know that there is still much work to do because so many people in the world today are still lost. If we don't share to them Jesus Christ, we know the awful place where they are heading, right? And so... For this season, we are going to study post-resurrection encounters of Jesus. So before May, there are still three Sundays left in this month of April. And so we are going to use this as a serious breaker, you know, to break the monotony. So three Sundays, we're going to talk about post-resurrection encounters. And... Today, we're going to talk about the restoration of Peter, restoring relationship with, with Jesus, right? Restoring relationship with Jesus found in John chapter 1. And this is a wonderful occasion where we find the Lord Jesus Christ comes to Peter and restores him back to himself. 
Now, friends, have you experienced, you know, having an LQ with God? <laughs> you don't know what is an LQ. Yeah, lovers quarrel, you know. Maybe some of us are worshiping this morning. You have an LQ with your spouse. Diba? And you just try to pretend, you know, pretend we're okay. But let me tell you, you know, in, 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 in Christ, it's okay not to be okay sometimes. <laughs> you agree? You know, life with Jesus is not always okay. Sometimes, you know, we experience good things and we experience bad things. But know this. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, when we experience some LQ moments, we find that God will always be the one who will initiate to reach out to us. Isn't that good? Amazing? We are the ones who offended God, and yet it is God who is wooing us back to Himself. And that's what we find in this particular passage. You know what happened? You know, during those last few days of Christ's life before he died on the cross, at the worst moments of his life, his very own disciples abandoned him. And Peter, one of the closest to our Lord, denied him three times. And so, friends, we know that the relationship with God is the most important thing in life. In fact, John MacArthur said, what is supremely important in the Christian faith is your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing that you have to focus on. It's not your relationship to your small group. It's not your relationship to the pastors, to other members of the church. It's not even about ministries and activities that you are enjoy, you know, you're involved with. The most important, I want you to understand this, the most important part of your Christian life is your relationship to Jesus Christ. If you have a problem with that, you have a problem. <laughs> See, that is the source of all problems when you have a broken relationship with God. And so for God, the most important thing that He wants to solve with all the problems around the world today, with all the prayers of all the people, can you imagine all the problems of people that they ask God? If there's one thing that God prioritizes, it's the broken relationship with Him. See? Because He knew that's our source of life. Remember Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it what? More? Abundantly. Now what happens if your life is detached? Remember Jesus said, abide in me and my words abide in you. All right? What happens to a branch that does not remain in, in the vine? It is what? Fruitless. It is fruitless. And so it is so important that we take care of our relationship with Jesus. Rick Warren says, you discover your identity and a purpose in life through your relationship with Jesus Christ. You discover. Friends, brethren, listen. 
if you are still confused about your purpose, why you are still alive, you go back to your relationship with Jesus. And that's what we always emphasize in our church, that being part of our church, it's not about religion. All right? We don't want you to become religious. We just want you to be so related to Christ. That's what we always claim. Christianity in its most basic form is not a religious movement, but it is a movement powered by a relationship with God. And that's what we want to share. We don't share religion to you. We share that the most important part of your life is to have a relationship with Jesus. And St. Paul, you know, tells us about that. So how's your relationship with God today? How's your relationship with God? When was the last time you had a, you know, heart-to-heart -heart talk <laughs> with Him? Right? St. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 11. And you know, St. Paul, before he became St. Paul, he was the Pharisees, the, you know, the strong soul, soul, persecuted the church, hated Jesus Christ to the core of his being. But you know what? When, when Jesus found him, you know, it wasn't Paul who found Jesus. When Jesus found him on his way to Damascus, Everything about his life changed. And this is what St. Paul, this is more on the autobiography of Paul. This is what St. Paul, is like he's writing about his, his life. Who is Jesus to him? This is what he said. What, whatever gain I had, you know, his intellect, his, his pedigree, his knowledge, maybe his wealth, he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know what St. Paul is saying? Everything that I considered a treasure worth securing and holding on to, everything I had in the past that made me who I am, Paul says, those things I counted loss compared to the worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He used to treasure his wisdom. He used to treasure about his wealth, his, his family pedigree. But all those things are nothing, according to Paul, compared to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. All right? For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them, I want you to notice the word, rubbish or garbage. But you know what? That is just a very nice word, English translation. Because in the Greek, you know, in the Greek word there literally means dung. <laughs> you, know, you know the words compared to Paul? This used to be his treasures, but because of his relationship with God, these things he considered treasures before are dumb, rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, 
but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So Paul is saying, now I'm, I'm not so bragging about my religion. I'm religious, no. Paul used to be so proud of his religion. But now Paul realized, oh no, it's not about religion. It's about having faith, having this relationship with my God. That's all that matters. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. See, the resurrection is there and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Friends, if you have a relationship with this resurrected Lord, you have already gained everything. See? You have gained everything. And that is the point of our message today, brethren. That as Christians, you know the most important relationship in your life. Not your relationship to your spouse, to your children. Not to your friends. It's your relationship with God. Amen? And that's where we go to John 21, where we find the restoration of Peter. Some, in my Bible, this is in the NIV, the heading there is Jesus reinstates Peter. All right? So, are you ready with the narrative? Okay, we'll start from verse 1. This is a narrative. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee the favorite place of Jesus Christ to hang out with his disciples. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Why were they together? Because they were fishermen. Before they followed Christ, they were fishermen. All right? Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. All right? Now, I want you to focus on there because in, in the Greek, that sounds like going back to fishing in a permanent, in a permanent way. We don't find that in the English, but in the way it is written, it's like, I am going back fishing permanently. Not, in other words, I think I'm done with this Christian thing. And you know what? You know the reason why? Peter is still discouraged, heartbroken. Because this Peter used to be the Peter who is very what? Impulsive, you know? He's always with a gusto, you know? Lord, I will never... I will never leave you. Lord, I will die with you. See? He's that man. He's always impulsive. He's always bragging about his love for Jesus. And you know what? Just few, just few minutes or hours after he said these things, you know, during their, the Last Supper, when, when people notice, ah, oh, this is Peter. He's connected with Jesus. He's one of the disciples. And you know what? Peter says, I don't know the man. Can you imagine the change? Very impulsive to say, Lord, I will die with you. I will defend you. See? 
This is the Peter who, who cut one of the ears of the soldier because he wants to defend Jesus. But when, you know, the rubber meets the road, <laughs> when reality bites, Peter says, I don't know the man. See? And, and you know, bad things happened. Jesus died. After three days, he heard from the women that Jesus is alive. And he was carrying that burden. I mean, can you relate? Have you experienced that? You did something so bad to the Lord. And then you know that the Lord is good and looking for you. And then you feel guilty and you're not willing to go to the Lord. Because maybe you say, Lord, I'm not yet ready. Have you experienced that? I'm sure if you truly love the Lord, sometimes we experience, you know, we are not perfect. Just like the disciples, just like Peter, it's so easy for us to say, praise the Lord. It's so easy for us, Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I trust you. I will obey you. And then, just a few moments, you fall into sin. How many of you are like me? <laughs> oh, we are all related to Peter. See, we are like that. And friends, yes, it's bad, but let me tell you, it's okay when we are not okay. Because God will always find us. Will really find us in situations where we need Him the most. And I think Peter was trying to avoid the Lord. He was so guilty. He was trying to avoid the Lord, but he cannot avoid the Lord because right here, Jesus was there. The same thing with you and me. When we commit sin, we don't want to go to church. We don't want to join Bible studies. But God will always be there to find us. Amen? When things go wrong in our spiritual life, God will always do what's right. And here he's going back. He's saying, I'm going back to fishing. And they said to him, well, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Friends, very important principle here. When you, when you sin, when you fall out of love with the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, it's dangerous because it's, you're easy to inflict others. <laughs> See, it's easy for us to bring others with our fall. All right, Peter here is saying, I'm going back fishing in a permanent way. And because he's a leader, of course, you have to understand Peter is the leader of this group. He's very influential. And so it's so easy to influence others. So friends, listen, when you sin, when you backslide, when you have an LQ with God, be careful because it's so easy for you to influence others around you. Especially if you're an influential person. It's so easy to drag people to hell with you. So be careful, just like during this time. And notice what happened. Their goal now changed from becoming fishers of men. They're going back fishing. And look at this. But that night, they caught nothing. 
See? God must be so wise. <laughs> you know, can you imagine this? God who is in control of all things in the world said to the fish, for this night, get out from those people because I'm going to teach these people some lessons. See? Panglakaw mo, okay? Those bait, okay? Ignore them. So that night, remember, they were, they were professional fishermen. They know this place. And by the way, those of us in the first batch of the Holy Land, we were there. We were singing in the Lake of Galilee. You know? I tried to swim there, but katong among area getuan murag muddy man tunay, no? Okay, not as good as Boracay. <laughs> but nonetheless, those, those fish there, they know the Lord. <laughs> See? So nothing. They caught nothing. Alright, look at verse 4. Just as, as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. You know, he was just far. Probably could, they could just see, you know, the silhouette of Christ. They don't know it's Him. Alright? But still, they were, they're trying their best. The same as with us. When, 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 when we sin, we try to live our lives away from the Lord. We try as much as possible for life to be okay and alright. But no, it will never be alright unless we are restored with God. That's what happened. When we sin, we try to live our own. We try to manage, maneuver our life. We try to catch fish. But we cannot catch anything unless we are restored back to Him. See? Verse 5, Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? Nice po si Jesus, no? Nagpaguriyo-guriyo po, no? Nagpa-George-George po si Jesus. No? Children, marapog, kwan ba? Na may fish? Bisakibombies. Siya gwigahimong away fish. You know Jesus Christ. He has his way. Napoy fish diha. Ang mga luoy po kayong disciple. No. Of course. Because Jesus made all the fish, you know, just swim on this side of the lake. See? He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. <laughs> Can you imagine this? I mean, if people, if real fishermen would understand this, this is not logical. Can, can fish just stay on one side of... See, I mean, they, they were fishermen. They, they know, but this is miraculous. Jesus just told all the fish, you stay on this side. Avoid the nets. So this professional fisherman could not get anything, not a single fish. Because they're all on one side. And probably when, when they bring the nets on the other side, babalhino na pudspikas. So it's a funny thing. And the fish, all these fish were synchronized based on what the Lord would want them. See? Cast the nets. So they cast, they cast it. And now they were not able to howl it because of the quantity of fish. Friends, this is miraculous. No fish in this side, and then all of them are here. See? And you know what happened next? Verse 7, That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord! Now question, why do you think suddenly 
John, this is John, the beloved, the one who wrote this gospel. Of course, he did not mention his name. That's their way of, you know, hiding themselves as the writer. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord! Now, why do you think? Come on, think. Why do you think suddenly John realized it's the Lord? Anybody? Any hint? Why? Because this is exactly what happened when Jesus called them. It's like, it's like wow, I'm having a deja vu. I mean, this, this happened. Luke chapter 5, the calling of Peter and James and John and the rest of the fishermen. It was like that. Jesus was on their boat and they caught nothing. And Jesus said, go a little farther. And then they got this huge quantity of fish that according to Luke, they could not even help them. They have to call other fishermen to help them. That's when Jesus says, leave your boat and I will make you fishers of men. And right there, they left their nets, their boats, and followed him. See, that's the beginning. Can you imagine Jesus' drama <laughs> of restoring? Jesus did the exact miracle when he called them, Peter, James, and John, and the others. And then John immediately realized, I'm having a deja vu. This is what happened <laughs> three years ago. Three years ago, in this exact spot in Galilee, we were fishing, there were no fish, and then here's this man, he's not even a fisherman, commanding us, go a little farther. I mean, for fishermen, this is nonsense. What's the difference between this and few yards? But then, all the fish were there because God is the God of the fish. <laughs> Amen? God restores us. And this is how God wants to restore them, reminding them. Three years ago, guys, you said you are going to leave your boats and your nets. Why are you back here? And sometimes God, you know, does that to you and to me. Sometimes God would bring us in, in those bad situations where He found us so that we would realize I am ruined, I am nothing without Jesus. That's why you ask, Lord, why am I back to this situation? I had this before, and God says, yes, I allowed you to go back to that bad situation because in that bad situation, that's where I found you. See? God wants to restore us because for God, the greatest thing is for us to be with Him. Amen? Now, let's continue. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. This is so Peter. Back to his impulsive Peter. You know. Immediately. Kalit lang ko, nasyak ang mga disciples. Okay, what in a sick, did so jump, same Peter. But you know what, this is very important that John would, would tell us about this. You know why? Now, I want you to, to understand behind this thing that, you know, when he heard that it was the Lord, 
he immediately remember it was Peter remember few maybe a year before they were still in Galilee they were so afraid Jesus was walking on water and it was still the impulse of Peter who says is that you Lord Lord can I can I can I walk with you that's the same Peter <laughs> the Peter who denied Jesus is the same Peter who is so impulsive Lord and so when he found that it found out that it was Jesus suddenly he jumped from a fisherman to a what? To a diver. Dive na yun. Di ba? Kung sa Bisaya, paspas kayo siya nakailis. Alright? Now, I want you to understand something here. Remember, Peter and Judas, of course, all of the other disciples abandoned Christ, but in the Gospels, two of these disciples were singled out. Both Jesus, I mean, Judas and Peter, you know, did something. Right? But if you compare them, what's the difference between Judas and Peter? Both of them sin. I would not say that Judas is, the sin of Judas is, is, you know, greater than Peter. No, it's the same. Both of them deny Jesus. But what's good with Peter? This is, this is the moment. The, the immediate diving, no? Jumping of Peter going to Jesus is an indication of his what? Willingness to repent. See? That is something you don't find with Judas. And this is very important because nowadays, a lot of people go immediately into societal mode. When things are going rough in their life, the only thing they could find, end my life. Thinking, you know, believing that ending their life will end their mis misery. No! Ending your life, you know, is ending your opportunity to be restored. See? That's, that's the difference. Yes, Judas cried. He was remorseful. But he was so proud not to go back to Jesus and say, Lord, I have sinned. You know, Jesus, he would always forgive. But that portion was missing. Instead of going to Jesus, dito naman yun siya sa mga high priest, giuli, you know, he returned the money and then hang himself. See? There is no repentance in Judas. He was just remorseful about what he did. But what is repentance? Real repentance is owning up to your sin, owning that I sinned, I did, Lord, going back to Jesus and saying, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you. Remember that prodigal son? Father, I have sinned against you. Repentance is really going back to Jesus. You see? Willing to face, you know, the rebuke, the anger. See? That's repentance. We need to learn that from Peter. Of course, humanly speaking, Peter has no face, you know, to approach Christ. But doing this, this was an opportunity. Notice this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment and then he threw himself into the sea. What is that? He knew that he hurt the Lord so much, but the only way for him to truly exp express you know, grief and pain for what he did is to be with the Lord. And this is important for our teenagers today. Listen, if there are teen teenagers listening. 
when you did bad things, you know, you've done, you've rebelled against your parents, and you have all this, this you know, ideas that, you know, my parents will kill me. <laughs> and so, malayas na lang ko, I'll just, or I'll just commit suicide. That's from the devil. I tell you, no matter what kind of sin, rebellion you did, you go back to your parents. You ask forgiveness. Because no matter how big is your fault, parents can always forgive. And parents, parents, are you listening? No matter how we are, you know, grieved and hurt and broken because, because our kids did something wrong, parents, it is still our moral and Christian obligation to receive our children, forgive them, and give them another chance. Alright? Delete nang mo yung tagwa na ko'y anak. Ay na ko tawag papa. So, mayingon din si Shansan. Sige, Noy, maari na ko, Noy. Manuyo na lang ko. See? And I know, some of us parents, we can relate with God. A lot of us parents are heartbroken. You know, we love our children, we take care of them, and then they rebel, they disobey, no? But you know, they are no different than you and the rest of the world. <laughs> Remember, we are all sheep, prone, prone to go astray. But then we have Jesus as our shepherd, see? Always ran back. And that's what Peter, this is a very good example of Peter. Yes, he denied the Lord. He denied the Savior of his life. And yet now he's willing to make you know, the restoration. Then the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Can you imagine this? Again, why John wrote this? He's, John is a fisherman. Why? Because John wants us to understand this is a miracle. You cannot have such catch of fish just very close to the shore. Not if it is, you know, orchestrated by God himself. Okay? Now, let's go from 9 to 14. When they got out on the land, a surprise is coming. Okay? They saw a charcoal fire in the place with fish laid out on it and bread. Lamit din yung makasalat tas ginoo, no? Kaya kung mabalik ta, andaman pa man teta o pagkao, no? Diba? Remember what the command of Jesus? When you have enemies, feed them. No poison. Alright? So Jesus is preparing breakfast and of course, this is a very weird breakfast. No, ano man, you have their grilled fish and bread. No? So, wala tanaanan siguro ani, no? Kurag pang paniod to naman inamo, pastor. Pero bread and grilled fish. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So, Simon Peter went aboard, hold the net ashore full of large fish, and even John mentions the number. 153 of them. And I don't know. If you ask me what's the significance, we don't know. John never tells us. Just probably telling us, And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Again, miraculous still. 
Jesus said to them, and this is important, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. Friends, this is very important here. Jesus is teaching us how to be restored. He is showing us here two things. Come, in other words, we need to come to Jesus if we want to be restored. Come, this symbolizes acceptance. Come means, I know, Peter, you denied me three times. I know you're so ashamed of it, but don't let your shame stop you from my love. A lot of us, a lot of people, because of their shame, the shame of, of Judas forfeited the forgiveness of God. See? Never allow shame to stop you from being restored to someone. Oh, what nakay face matubang niya, Pastor, maulaw ko. No, that's pride. That's what Satan wants you to be. Shame. No. Jesus died for you. He took the shame. Okay? Face. Face the person that you have offended. Be willing to say, I am sorry. Alright? So Jesus says, come. So that's acceptance. And then have breakfast. What is that? Fellowship. See? Fellowship. God wants to accept you. See? You don't have to be ashamed that you're a sinner. He knows you're a sinner. He knows I'm a sinner. There is nothing we can hide to God. But you just have to come. See? That's the nature of God. God wants us to see His nature. He's always open. His arms are always open to receive sinners who are willing to come. Brethren, are you having LQ again with Jesus recently? This message is for you, for me. See? He wants us to come and have fellowship. See, have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Of course, what's, what's the point here? Again, they, they are still in that situation in which awkward awkward moment. We just abandoned this man, you know? We all said, you know, Lord, we will never deny you. We will never abandon you. But all of them except John. Of course, John was there at the cross. All of them abandoned Christ. They were all ashamed, and that's why it's an awkward moment for them. That's why they never ask, who are you? They know it's Jesus. And then Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. Always a sign, remember? Again, it's like, this is like what? A deja vu. I mean, before Jesus died, didn't he, you know, also do this? He broke bread, gave it to us. And so with the fish... And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is now the third time. And still, the disciples are still what? Full of guilt. See? And it's true. It's very human. Sometimes, we already ask forgiveness to the Lord and still we find ourselves still awkward and not willing to really... Go back to Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, come on, guys, chill out. You know, I'm not mad. And, and that reminds me of Psalm 30, verse 5. You know, what is Psalm 30, verse 5? Anybody? Anybody? For his anger lasts only for a moment. See? 
but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. That's our God. Yes, if you sin, if I sin, He is mad, He is angry with our sin, with us. But His nature, His favor will always last a lifetime. And this is, this is a gesture of, of telling the disciples, Peter, Peter, you know, John, Thomas, this is me. Yes, you broke me. You broke my heart. You betrayed me. Right? But it's okay. You know? I'm here. You know? Forgiveness is available. Amen? And from there, we will go to the three lessons now. Alright? The three main lessons. Alright? Three essential components of restoring our relationship with Christ, beginning in verse 15. Now, notice verse 15. Now, they are now set. They are now ready there. They are now eating. When they had finished breakfast, so gipakaon ni Lord, you know, si God, pakanon sa, unya ayha ko latahon, dili. See? So now you know, if, you, if you're a parent, this is how you treat erring children. Invite them. Nak, uli sa balay. Magnaon ta. Si anak, madlok patay. Jukuan. Hiluan mo, Jukuan mama. Ayaw, hilu eh. Pakan ah. After eating, busgag yung mayo. Oh, I had a name ignon. Nak, do you love me? Diba? Notice this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Alright, notice this. Simon, remember Jesus already changed his name. But why is it that when he called Peter, he called Peter the previous name? You know why? Because he wants to remind Peter, Peter, this, this used to be your name. I changed you. But it seems you are going back to that old life. You were Simon the fisherman. I changed you into Peter the fishers of men. But why are you back? That's why there's, there's an emphasis there. Jesus was literally and intentionally using it to remind Peter, Peter, I called you out from that life already. Why are you going back to fishing? I changed your profession. That's why I... I'm calling your old name. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Now, here's the first and most important component of restoring relationship, friends. Loving Jesus supremely. Loving Jesus supremely. And I want you to understand the exchange here, the conversation of Peter and Jesus, all right? Loving Jesus is the first and most important thing. If our relationship with Jesus is broken, we have to go back to the love because our Christian life started with love, all right? Now, if, if you have a broken relationship with your spouse, with your wife, or your husband, or your children, this is where you need to start. Go back to your love. See? Now notice again, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? I want you to focus on that love. 
agapao, agape love. What is that? What is agape love? Jesus is saying, do you completely, because this is the highest form of love, do you completely love me? Do you totally love me? And notice the second phrase, more than this. Now question, what is that more than this? More than what? This there can mean what? The fish, the nets, the boat, the hooks. See? Do you love me? I mean, do you love me more than this thing? This, this defines you, Peter. You're a fisherman, and so what defines a fisherman? You need to have a boat. You need to have your nets. You need to have these hooks and all other stuff. This defines you. Do you love me more than this? Brethren, I want to ask you, what defines your life today? What makes you you? Is it your dress? Is it your fashion that makes you you? Is it your work? Is it your career? Some of us are businessmen. This is, this is what makes me me, my business. Or maybe you're into what? Cars and, and big toys, bigger cars or houses. Are these things define you? Now, Jesus is saying, yes, that used to define you, but when you came to me, I became your definition. Do you understand that, brethren? When we become Christians, we lose all our previous definitions of ourselves. All right? I used to be a businessman, but now I'm a Christian foremost. And it just so happened that I'm a businessman, but I am a Christian. All right? I'm a doctor. Jesus found me. I am a Christian doctor. But what defines me is not by being a doctor. No. If you're a Christian, it is your being with Christ that defines who you are. Not your being a doctor or a nurse. See? And that's the point here. Do you love me more than this? Or maybe the this there could mean the other disciples. Because Peter, you know, three days before, Peter says, Lord, even if all these disciples would abandon you, I will never abandon you. That's Peter. He said that. Even if all of them, see? And so Jesus asking, do you truly love me more than this, either this fish or this boat, or this your colleagues? Do you truly love me? And notice the answer of Peter. Yes, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But Peter used a lower form of love, phileo. What is phileo? Affection. See? Yes, Lord. God is saying, Peter, do you supremely, you know, supremely love me, sacrificially love me, completely love me? And Peter's answer, yes, Lord, I have strong affections for you. See? You know, what, what's that, Pastor? It's like Jesus saying, do you love me with this kind of love? And Peter's answer is, yes, Lord, I love you, but this kind of love. Lower. Now, we would understand why Peter said that. Why? Because Peter claimed that he agapao Jesus before. But now he realized, I'm a failure. I mean, he's just being honest. Lord, you demand agape love, but it seems, Lord, 
for the last few days, I think I can only be affectionate to you. See? He's now talking as a failure. Lord, I cannot love you the way that you want me to love you. And then Jesus said, then feed my lamb. All right? This is the first time. Feed my lamb. This is how Jesus would reinstate, restore Peter. If you truly love me, Peter, then bosco my lamb. Bosco is the Greek word feed. It means to nourish. All right? To nourish. Nourish these people that I am saving. If you truly love me. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me, agapao? Same thing. Do you supremely love me with all your heart? That's agape love. And still Peter's answer, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. All right? He said, and then Jesus used a different word. Then tend my sheep. Poimaino. What's that? That's the Greek word for shepherd. A pastor is a poimen. I'm a poimen, pastor. And what is the work of a pastor? Pastoring or shepherding. Okay? That's poimaino. So, it's not just, Peter, if you love me, then feed my lamb. And then second, if you truly love me, then you shepherd. You take care of them. Not just feed them. And then verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Now, now friends, I want you to understand the change of Jesus' word. This time, the third time. And by the way, why third time? Now, surely it's obvious. Because Peter, you denied me three times. <laughs> And so three times also, Peter, I will remind you of my love, of your love for me. You denied me three times, then I will have to ask you, do you love me three times? So biblical then, I love you three times a day. Kang Jesus then nagsugod. I love you three times a day. This is the third time, but... Notice this, Jesus used a lower form of love. Not anymore agapao. It's like Jesus, all right, Peter, if you can't love me the way that anyone should love God, agape love, then do you, love, do you still love me, Peter, with the affection that only you can give? Ning lower na si Jesus. And this time, Peter was grieved. Why? Because even in the promise of a lower form of love, Jesus is still asking, do I truly have this affection towards you, Jesus? And now, Peter is crushed. See? Peter's bitterness, Peter's, you know, uh, failures, all his dramas in life is crushed by Jesus by saying, well, if that's the case, then can you give me that affection that you promise you can give? And then Peter says, do you love, I mean, he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, I phileo you. And then Jesus says, third time, then busco my sheep. Feed them, nourish them. Friends, here we understand that the greatest thing in our Christian life 
is love. Love for God. See? If there's most important thing that you need to focus on in your life, and this is what Jesus was trying to tell Peter. It's like, Peter, there's so many teachings I've, I've taught you. There's so many commands. But I want you to focus in this one, one thing in your life. And this should be your priority in life. What is that? Love me. Friends, that's the essence of Christianity. Loving God with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our strength. Because everything else in your life will follow that. If you truly love me, everything else, Peter, will follow. That's why if you want to repent, if you want to be the kind of person that I have planned you to be, then make sure that this thing is you know, secure, our love. Amen? John Calvin said, no man will steadily persevere in the dis discharge of ministry unless love for Christ reigns in his heart. See? No man pastoring, being a missionary, if there is no love for Jesus, I tell you, circumstance, pain, sufferings, will stop you from serving Jesus. It's only pure love that will make you persevere serving the Lord. And that love is the very reason why Peter was willing to die on a cross upside down, why Paul was willing to be beheaded, while all the other Christians allowed to be, you know, tortured, died in martyrdom. Why? Because of their love for God. Brethren, do you have that love? See? So how does Jesus want to be loved? Well, John tells us, you know, in several occasions. Jesus says, John 14, 15, If you love me, you will what? You will keep my commandments. See? That's how Jesus wants to be loved. So a lot of people today are saying, you know what? I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I go to church. I send flowers to him every day. I have an altar in my house for Jesus. But your lifestyle is against the commandment of Jesus. Now, do you think Jesus is love? See? We try to show Jesus our love. But listen, we know that there are five love languages, right? And the Bible is very clear. What is the love language of Jesus? It's not giving gifts. <laughs> See? It's commandment, keeping His commandment. That's what He said many times. See? Verse 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is who loves me. See? It's keeping it's obedience. See? It's not, it's not spending more time in the church. It's not service. All those things are ways we can love the Lord. But if you truly want to show and demonstrate your love to Jesus in a way that Jesus would truly appreciate your love, it is keeping His commandments. Obedience. Another if anyone loves me, see, he will keep my word. See? Friends, Jesus is telling us here, you want to be a Jesus lover? Then love his word. 
Sleeping while his word is preached is not a good show of love. I'm telling you. Jesus has just said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. But sleeping while his word is being preached is a very nasty way of telling Jesus, I don't love your word. I just want to sleep. See? You have surely better beds at home than sitting there. So make sure when you come to church, you put emphasis. Let me tell you this. You can sleep in any portion of the service. You can sleep while the pastor is praying or maybe the choir is singing, but never about his word because it is an insult to, you, to our God. God is insulted. The most important part of the service is the hearing of His Word. You know why? Because Jesus says, If you love me, feed my sheep. And what am I doing with you now? Feeding. The greatest thing in the worship service is when the shepherd and the sheep eat together the Word. It's the best time to be awake the worst time to sleep. See? Because you're allowing the devil to snatch the word of God from your heart. See? So as much as possible, if you want to show your love during the sermon, you do like that. I love you, Lord. <laughs> with all my heart, with all my soul, and you include this, with all my eyes. Amen? Now, I'm not just telling this, you know, because some of you are sleeping. No, no, no. You missed the point, you know. When, when you're closing your eyes, I, as a pastor, I don't want to be offended by it. Because this is not my word on the first place. Please don't get me wrong. I am not offended when you're sleeping. I'm afraid when you offend the one giving the word. So that's why when... When you're closing your eyes, I, I, as a pastor, I just assume you're praying with me, praying that the word. Because if you're sleeping, you're telling God, Lord, I think I'm ready to sleep forever. Watch out. I'm not kidding. Remember, who was that guy in the Bible? Eutychus. Paul was preaching and Eutychus fell asleep. And what happened? He died instantly. So if you're... If you're Pangatugon, please, we don't allow people to stay at up. Okay, what's my point, friends? The importance of the word. See? Because that's what Jesus said. If you love me, he is the one that will keep my word. And, and again and again, three times he says, if you love me, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So it's about feeding. And what is the source of the feed, food? The word of God. That's why Jesus said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. He who is hungry should come to me. Brethren, that's the main thing that Bradford Church is offering every Sunday. That's the main thing the pastors are cooking. The word of God. Because we want you to go home fed. See? This is fattening. Okay? No one should be going home famished. Amen? We should all be fed. That's why Jesus, I am the bread of life. Listen to me. And this is the very command that Jesus wants Peter. Peter, 
you're a fisherman. Now your work is changed. You will be preaching my word. And no wonder, right after that encounter, you know, 50 days later, you know what Peter did? He preached with all, you know, his lungs, with all his heart, and 3,000 got saved. Can you imagine that? The power of the Holy Spirit. See? He preached. That's the most important thing, the word. Now, let's go to the second. Losing for Jesus sacrificially. Losing for Jesus sacrificially. All right? Notice the next verse, verse 18. And then Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you. And remember, every time Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, what's that? Emphasis. He's saying, Listen. Remember? This is very important. All right? When you were young, you used to dress yourself, walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And probably, Peter, meaning the Lord. Poetic are you, Lord, no? But then John, you know, gave us the explanation. This is he this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. See? So the idea there is. You know, when you were young, you were dressing up yourself, but then you're old, somebody will dress you up. Of course, Jesus is saying, Peter, I know how you will die. You will be crucified like me. You will be naked. People will be stripping off your... And then, remember, remember this? You will stretch out your hand. You know, extra biblical accounts, that phrase always talks about what? Crucifixion. All right? You will stretch out your hands. In other words, you will be crucified, Peter, and that is the kind of death that you are going to glorify God. And notice this here, brethren. Even to the point of death, a real Christian, a real born-again Christian will still glorify God. Man? Even to your point of death. So Peter was asked by Jesus, Peter, do you truly love me? Peter... Are you willing to lose your life for my sake? That's the second component. We need to have that kind of willingness. In fact, that's what Jesus said, told them years before. Luke 9, 25. If anyone would come after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily, and what? Follow me. See? Deny yourself of all these things that you consider your treasures. Friends, as Christians, we are still humans. We are still in this body. We all have desires, right? We all have the desire to be comfortable. We all have the desire to have big houses, cars. We have all the desire to go around the world. Yes, it's those desires are normal. But Jesus is asking, loving me would mean that these things will be stripped off from you. That's the question, Jesus. Will you still be my disciple? See? Willingness ang ipangayo ni Jesus. What means Jesus and all Christians should become poor? He's just waiting. He's just longing. If ever, it's like Jesus, if ever 
all these things will be removed from you. If ever your houses will be taken away from you, all your comfort, will you still follow me? And friends, all those Christians who died, millions of them for Jesus, prove that. Question. If those things will come back, if, if things in the world will change, and if Christians will be forced to recant our faith in Jesus in order to live? That's the question. Will you still follow Jesus? See? For whoever want, would save his life would lose it. But whoever, listen, loses his life for my sake, he's the one who is really saved, will save it. See? For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and what? Loses and forfeits his own soul. See, let me tell you, brethren, your soul is far greater than all the treasures in the world. And that's why Jesus died for that soul of yours. Are you willing to exchange your soul for a vacation to Boracay? Are you willing to lose your own soul so that you can buy another car? See? And that's what a lot of people in the world are willing. They're willing to lose their souls just to have the popularity, what it takes to be successful in the eyes of the world. Brethren, friends, listen, listen. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to enjoy how many years of your life? Let's say 20 years in exchange of lifetime in hell. It's not worth it. That's what Satan wants people to believe. There is no hell. No, there is hell. There is hell. If there is no hell, Jesus would never die on the cross of the first place. The reason why he, he went to the extent of dying a painful death as a sacrifice for us. Why? Because there's a place called hell. It's real. And Jesus is saving you and me from that place. If I'm God and there's no hell, why would I suffer? I will just have to forgive everyone, right? But the only way for forgiveness to be available is for Jesus to die and rise from the grave. Amen? Are you willing to lose your life? And then third and final, living for Jesus steadily. Be willing to live for Jesus steadily. Notice the last part of verse 19, you know? And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The Greek word is akolotheo. And the emphasis there is Jesus is not talking about follow me now or, you know, for a moment. He's saying, follow me all the rest of your life. That's how he, he restored Peter. Are you willing to follow me, to live for me for the rest of your life. That's what Jesus is saying. Are you willing? Because that's what it means to be a Christian. Not just a Christian once in a while, not just a Christian during Sunday, but are you willing to be called? Are you willing to be distinguished? Are you willing to be different from anyone else because you live for me? Living for Jesus steadily. Now, Peter turned 
and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper. Who is this disciple? John. Now, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Grabe si Peter, no? Serious na kayo si Jesus, ba? Follow me. Ngayon lang si Peter, but Lord, siya Lord. So, may pagkachismoso po si Peter. Unsa imong plano niya, Lord? I don't know if it is, okay, Some a lot of things can happen, like maybe he's jealous. Okay, murag na kay special attention si John, no? What about him? And you know, Jesus is so frank with his answer. If it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Grabe si Jesus, no? In other words, none of your business, Peter. And then he says, follow me. In other words, friends, Jesus saying, you follow me. Look, don't look at to other people and say, Lord, mo follow ni sila, Lord. You see, sometimes, Lord, I will follow you, pero, uy, manguyog, mukuyog ta. Ano mo na point ba? Nga, Lord, mukuyog ko ni mo if mangdaghan ming manguyog. No, Jesus saying, no, Peter. It's none of your business if this man will remain, but will you follow me? In other words, don't follow me because others follow me. See? Follow me because you really want to follow me. Inanamata ki, usay kita mo yung na ay prayer meeting, manganto mo? Ayaw, di man sila pasod, di lang ko. Daghang Christians na to, nga kuyog baboy. You know? We only want to go because others are going. That's why Jesus says, No! Diba? That's why there's a song. No turning back. song? I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. That's why that song was crafted because of this verse. I will follow you, Lord, even though no one is following you. See? Because Peter, si Peter Lord, I want to follow you, but Lord, see Lord. See, friends. God wants to deal with you. Alright? Not, not in connection with how God deals with others. Jesus saying, I have other, you know, disciples. I will deal with them, but you deal with me. Amen? Jesus saying, you know, it's none of your business. So the saying spread. So again, you know how easily man can make fake news. Out of that statement, maybe be the, the other disciples nga nag man sila. Nagbarites, they were spreading so that the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet John really makes the correction. Kasi ni, this is about him. So John made it a correction in his own gospel. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Ergo, Jesus is saying, when you follow me, make it your personal decision. See? It's not a family decision. Friends, as much as we want our whole family to be with Jesus, parents, you cannot force your children. You just have to pray. It should be their personal. I cannot decide as much as I want Joss and Shanshan to be with me in heaven. Can you imagine? I can't imagine heaven and then they're not there. But friends, I want you to understand the perspective. The most 
important, most glorious thing in heaven is not seeing your families there. It is Jesus. Amen? It is Jesus. So your going there should not be based on mga sila. It's none of your business. It's none of your business how God will deal with these other people. It's your business. It's my business to live for Jesus constantly. You know, Jeffrey O'Hara, you know, and I'm about to close. He said this classic words, you call me the way and walk me not. You call me the life and live me not. You call me the truth and believe me not. You call me Lord and obey me not. Do you truly consider Jesus Christ the greatest person in your life? Therefore, brethren, I want you to reflect on these questions. See, I'm just going to read them, but make them a personal reflection. Do I love the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything else? More than house, more than cars. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 10, even more than your wife, your husband, your children. Do you truly love him? You answer that. Is he the joy of my heart? Is he truly the joy of my heart? Not boyfriend, girlfriend. Not money. Is he truly the joy? There could be so many joy in your life, but is he the main joy? Is he my constant delight? Do I find pleasure in his presence? Am I supremely a lover of Christ? Friends, this is very important. You know why? Because this is about your salvation. If your answer to all of this honestly is no, then I'm sorry to tell you, you may not be saved. Because the greatest, the greatest proof of our salvation is our love for Jesus. See? That's how he that's how, how Jesus restored Peter. That's how Jesus made sure that Peter, this is how you will know that you are truly saved. Do you love me more than this? All right? Second, am I willing to lose my own life and happiness for him, even if it means that someday somebody is going to tie me up and take my life? Jesus is not saying that all Christians will die as martyrs, no. But he's just saying, what if of all the Christians in the world, you can be chosen one of those who will be executed because of your faith? Question, are you willing? Do I love him that much? Am I willing to take up my cross and die for him? See? And then finally, I want you to reflect this. Will I live for him and follow him? Will I live for him no matter what it means? Are, are, you, are, you, are you convinced that, you know what, even if all the comfort of my life will be stripped off from me right now, will I still live for Jesus? Because it's easy for people to live for Jesus when they have the comfort, right? It's easy to say, I love you, Jesus, when you have nice houses, when you have food to eat, but it's different when you have no food, when you have no house, 
when you are in pain, when you have sickness, when you have all the disease in the world and you're dying, it's so hard to still say, Lord, I love you. Okay? Where I live for him no matter what he asks me, no matter what he doesn't ask me of someone else. Friends, these three questions, set of questions are very crucial about our relationship to Jesus. And I hope, I hope with all my heart, with all your heart, that our answers are, yes, Lord. Just like Peter. Yes, Lord, you know. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. That even though we are wayward, even though we are disobedient children, you keep on pursuing us. You don't stop pursuing us. And Jesus, don't stop pursuing me. Don't stop pursuing our rebellion. Because we are like sheep, Lord. We easily go astray. And we need a shepherd. Oh, Jesus, we need you. Help us. Help us, Lord, to be conscious of that love. Help us, Lord, to always be reminded of that love wherever we are. Reminding us that our greatest lover is you. And no amount of success, glamour, fashion, pleasures in this world can come close to the worth of your love for us. So help us to prioritize your love. In Jesus' name, amen.